Welcome, everybody, to episode 68 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens. Going to get into a lot of topics today. Going to get into a ton, a ton, a ton of topics today. Uh, just got back from FDIC 2023, and what an amazing, amazing uh, just experience, I think. And just, uh, just you know, every time I go to FDIC, I get fired up. Uh, I get fired up, but this time it just feels a little bit different, right? Like you go through, you go through, uh, you know, peaks and valleys in your fire service career. There's there's times where you're more engaged, and there's times when you're less engaged. I would never say that I've had a time where I'm disengaged, but uh, you know, I went into FDIC and I was I was I was kind of approaching a little bit of a of a down peak, right? Like I wasn't reading as much as I wanted to. I wasn't, you know, and like I kept like telling my wife, it's like God, and I get all these books, and like that's the thing I like like the most, you know, especially as I continue to like discover new books, right? Like I uh, I could just I, I want like I want books, right? And I like like reading, and I go down these rabbit holes with books, right? Especially like if in a book. The author recommends another book. I'm probably going to uh, to read those books. Like the biggest example of that is when I read about Face, and in that book he recommends like four or five different books. And so I read about Face, and I order those four or five other books, and I start going down the rabbit hole. And then in those books, they they uh, recommend books, and so it just you keep going down these rabbit holes, and so it just goes and goes and goes. But I uh, haven't been. Haven't been reading as much as I wanted, and I like. I feel like I got so far behind. Like, and you know, my wife's like, "No, you're not behind. You just like there's the books you want to read, and you're just you're just taking a long time to read them. You're not behind. There's no there's no test. There's no there's no anything like that." And 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 she's right. Uh, but you know, it just I, I just wasn't. I wasn't disengaged, still doing like the three hours that I talk about trying to read, for, but I was reading more like magazine articles or quick like articles on uh, on fire engineering and not really like delving into like like true books of the fire service, right? Or even just books in general, right? I wasn't I wasn't really feeling it. And, and maybe some of that was like the book I was trying to read, just it didn't really appeal to me. And I talked about that on a previ- on the previous episode with Kyle. Uh, just, you know, but like coming back from FDIC this time, it, it, I won't say it re-engaged me cause I don't believe I was disengaged, but man, it fired me up. It stoked some fire. It stoked some passion. And I'm going to talk about FDIC, uh, in, in, as a whole, but, but, and, and I want to talk about some other things as well. And I want to talk about, uh, just, you know, so maybe something controversial, right? Maybe something controversial because when you come back, from one of those big conferences, you hear a lot of buzzwords and you hear a lot of phrases, right? And I think I'm going to talk some about that, but the the number one that I want to talk about is when people say that they, quote unquote, they love the job. And I hear a lot of people say that, and I hear a lot of people say like, oh, I love the job. I love the job, Right? I love the job. I love being the best job in the world. You hear that buzzword a lot. I'm into the job. You hear a lot of that, you know, like all these things. And, and to me, I think we use them so much, they're, all, they're starting to, to lose meaning. And you see people that say they love the job, but they're constantly, constantly complaining. And I'm not saying you shouldn't fight for things, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't fight for better working conditions. I'm not saying you shouldn't fight for better shifts, better pay, better apparatus, all of these things, right? Like you, you should you should fight for those things. And I don't and, and I don't think that those are bad, but it lends me to think like what is the what do those things really mean? Like we say it so often. We say and I have encountered some people who say they love the job, but I don't know if they really truly do. I don't know if that love for the job is or, or, or at least what they think it is. And, and maybe it's just an opinion. Maybe their opinion differs from mine, and that's fine. But to me, the love for the job. Well, let's start with that word love. Love is unconditional or without conditions, which means if you truly love something, you accept it with all its flaws, all its downside, Everything, everything that's you, you love, everything that's good and bad about it. 
And I don't see that a lot in the fire service. I don't see that with a lot of people who say they quote-unquote love the job. I think a lot of people love the idea of what being a firefighter or a fireman is or being in the fire service. They love the idea of it. They love the romanticized version of it. They love the Chicago Fire uh, emergency, Johnny and Roy, uh, you know, all the Station 19, whatever, right? They love that romanticized, idealized version of the fire service. I don't like certain things that go on in the fire service, but I still love the fire service. And I see these people say they love the job, but they're leaving the fire service, right? They're leaving it. And I'm not talking about retiring at like 50, 60 years old. I'm talking about like they're leaving before their pension. They're leaving before they've they've gone their their entire their entire career. They're leaving because of this thing and that thing. And some of these things are 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 systemically bad, right? A lot of fire departments out there, I see, especially in some of the urban cities, they have horrible promotional practices. Right, their their promotional practices, uh, and I won't delve into some of the details of that because you know I'm not privy to everything. But a lot of them are not promoting the best people for the job. I'll leave it at that. They're not promoting the most qualified people for the job. They're promoting them for other attributes. If that makes sense, I'm trying to be a little bit cryptic about it. But they're promoting them for other attributes. They're not promoting them for for being the most qualified. Some departments are. Some departments are. Doesn't matter. We're going to promote you because you're the best person for the job. And I see this in a lot of bigger fire departments, right? I see it in a lot of like more urban fire departments where they don't always promote the best person for the job. They're promoting them for other reasons. And some of those other reasons are legally mandated because of their past hiring practices. And so it's not all bad, but it can be a morale buster. It can be a huge, huge morale buster, morale killer when you constantly see people that you're more qualified than and when you constantly see people that are not, and you know are not up to task and you know are not up to this job that they're getting ready to do and they get the promotion. And the other, and the person sitting across the table from you is the perfect person to take that job and they don't ever get it. So that can kill a lot of fire departments. And, you know, mandatory overtime. Let's talk about mandatory overtime for a second. I don't like mandatory overtime. After I do my 24-hour shift, especially if I have something going on the next day, I'd like to go home, right? I'd like to go home. I'd like to go home and see my wife and see my kids, especially my oldest son. After next year, he's going to be going to college. Not that he's leaving forever, right? But there's going to be a four- to five-year period where I won't get to see him any time that I want. He's not going to be in the room right down the hall, okay? So I want to take advantage of all that time that I have. And sometimes you get mandatory overtime. I get that. It sucks. It's not always fun. It's not always great. Sometimes they even give you a crappy assignment when you get uh, put on mandatory. Uh, You know, all sorts of low pay, low staffing, horrible equipment. I get all that. And you should fight for all of that. But a lot of those things are department-based, right? There are hundreds and hundreds of fire departments in this country. And if you truly love the job, why don't you just leave your department? Have the guts to say, I don't like working here. I love the job, but I don't love it here. And I'm going to go to the place that makes me happy. I'm going to go to a better place. I'm going to go to a better place for me. Because guess what? Everybody thinks that their, uh, that their own, that their own opinion is the only opinion, right? Like just because you don't like it or just because you do like it doesn't mean it's right. It's just you. It's your perspective. It's through your lens. But if you truly love the fire service, Why do you leave it? Why do you leave it completely? There's other departments out there. Yeah, you might have to start over. You might have to be a rookie again. You might have to, uh, you know, take even a little bit of a pay cut. Oh, well. 
I look at the example of my father. My father worked at, an, at a plant, industrial firefighter at a plant. He also did some layout operator stuff, uh, you know, ran machines and stuff like that. But the, the job he loved there the most was being industrial firefighter. He ended up being the assistant fire chief, like, when, before the plant shut down. And at 43 years old, the plant shuts down. Does he quit? Oh, well, guess I got to, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, he doesn't quit. He doesn't quit. He had to start over. So a guy, he volunteered. He was a volunteer officer in our volunteer department. He was like the the assistant chief of the industrial fire brigade at his job. All those things. He's got a ton of experience, right? He's got a ton of experience. At 43 years old, the plant shuts down. At 44 years old, he gets hired as a rookie firefighter in another county. And he works there until he's 61, 62 years old. Because he loved the fire service. He didn't always like everything that happened. He didn't always like everything that happened within his own department. But he didn't quit. He didn't quit. He didn't, he didn't, uh, you know, say, ah, too old for this or whatever. He loved the fire service. And he still loves the fire service. He retired and he joined the Metro Richmond Flying Squad, which is a rehab group of retired firefighters and volunteer firefighters and volunteer EMS providers who now provide rehab services at working fires and major incidents in the Metro Richmond area, serving the counties of Henrico and Richmond, uh, City of Richmond, Hanover, New Kent, Goochland, because he loves the job. Those are people who truly love the job. When they just can't get enough. You know what? He, he realized it's time to retire. And there's pl- and, and plenty of time. There's people who retire. But they love the job. In my opinion, and this is just me, and I might get some heat for this, but if you truly love the job, why are you leaving the fire service? You don't really love the job if you're going to leave the fire service. You love the idea of it. You love it when it's perfect. You love it when it suits you. And the second that it doesn't suit you, you're out the door. I can tell you that I've had some down times in my fire department that I've thought about leaving that fire department, but never the fire service. Never the fire service. I've applied for jobs outside of the state that I live in, outside of the department that I live in, but they've all been fire department jobs. They've all been fire service jobs. They've all been jobs with other fire departments because I love the fire service. Absolutely love the fire service. So if you truly love this job, you have to love it with everything that's bad. You have to take the good and the bad. It's unconditional. There is no conditions for this. And if you can't do that, then you need to sit down and take a long look in the mirror and figure out if you truly love this. If it's truly like, if you couldn't be in the fire department... Would you be able to survive? I'll be honest. I don't know if I could. If the fire service was taken away from me, it would be difficult to get up every morning and get out of bed. I feel like I'm more engaged than I ever have been, especially when it comes to to fire right? Like, I get it. EMS ain't everybody's favorite, okay? We have to, we do it and we have to be good at it. It's a fact. I'm not a fan of the all-hazards approach, okay? I don't really like that. But we do these things and so we have to be good at them. I'm not a fan of telling everyone that they can do this job because I don't believe that. There are people that cannot do this job and that's a fact. But I'm not leaving. As they said in Wolf of Wall Street, I'm not leaving. And I think if you could leave it, I don't know if you ever really loved it. I don't know if you understand the true definition of unconditional love. Yeah, I don't like mandatory overtime. I don't like some of the things that we do. I don't like 
poor promotional practices, bad apparatus, and poor, you know, bad shifts, lack of sleep, missing kids' wrestling tournaments and birthdays and, and other sporting events, and I don't like any of that stuff. But I do love the fire service. And I'm more engaged today than I think I ever have been. Uh, I, you know, when I was in college, it was probably what I would call at one of the peaks of my fire service engagement. I would sometimes fall asleep uh, in my college room. And thankfully, I had another fireman uh, in college that was my roommate. And we would fall asleep listening to uh, FDNY Scanner. Right, because that was his dream, and he and he ended up becoming an FDNY firefighter. Uh, but he wanted to be, work for for Philadelphia, City of Philadelphia, or FDNY. That was just two places he wanted to work. And so we'd fall asleep listening to the FDNY scanner, listening for jobs. Right, wake up in the morning here, and like for just now, for the first time in a long time, I downloaded the uh, NYC Firewire. Wake up this morning, FDNY had like four or five jobs overnight. Like as I'm looking at where they were, especially because I just went to the island of Manhattan on spring break and went to New York and went to the Bronx and all this kind of stuff. And uh, now I'm I'm actually like more familiar with these places, right? They're like, oh, this is in Sunnyside, Queens. I know where that is. Right. So it's even more engaging now. Right. Like I'm, I'm watching more fire videos. I'm listening to the scanner more than I ever have. I'm listening to to broadcastify and listening to places, you know, that like I know that I have friends work. Right. Because I love this. And yes, there's going to be another valley. There's going to be another valley. I know it's going to be another valley. Right. I'm riding the high that is FDIC. And I think everybody rides that high, right? I'm riding the high that is FDIC. Uh, but man, right now I'm more engaged than I've ever been. I'm more passionate than I've ever been. I'm just like feeling the feeling the good vibes of it. But I've never been disengaged and I can tell you that I've always loved it and I'm not going to leave uh I'm not going to leave the fire service. I'm going to always be doing something with the fire service. Uh, when we were at the FDIC and uh Someone was like, when I retire, I'll never come to a one of these. And I was like, man, I don't know about that. I don't know. I might not feel as obligated to go sit in some classes if I'm retired. But man, just the energy of of a place like FDIC, right? Being around just all those firefighters and fire trucks and, and just the, the atmosphere. Man, I don't know. I don't know if I could ever not want to go to something like that. I think I, I said this in 2018 after I got back from FDIC and I did a podcast episode <clears throat> and that consequentially is the last one that I had gone to up until this point. I was supposed to go in 2020, but they had, uh, they had, you know, the coronavirus and then they moved it back and they moved it all around. Like, so I didn't get to go, but I said then, and I believe it now, I don't know if I'll ever not miss one, right? Like there's going to be things that come up. There's going to be things that happen. There's going to be things that come up and I may not be able to go, right? It's just a fact. It's just how how it is, right? It's just how it is. I have a wife. I have two kids, you know. And it's just, you know, I have work. I have a real, I have a job, you know. I have a job in the fire department that I have to go to. So I don't know if I'm always going to be able to go. But I can tell you, I always will want to go. And I will always have just a fantastic experience. I uh, I think I've only had what I would consider a poor experience once at FDIC. And I think that was probably way back in like 2010, maybe 2009. And uh, I don't know. And it just it was, it was probably more on me. That was one of my low periods in the fire service. And I didn't feel like, you know, I was... I didn't feel like I was making a difference or, or being the firefighter that I wanted to be. And so that was probably more on me than it was the conference. But man, these last, like 2018, I felt super energized when I came back. And man, 20, 2023, I'm here again, super energized. Uh, and maybe sometimes it's good to take that break, right? Like take a couple years off and then you go back. Because in that couple years off, man, I've been to some other amazing conferences. I've been to, we've had our conference uh, several times, uh, the Fireground Commander. We've ha- I've gone to uh, the, several of the, I've gone to the County Fire Tactics conferences five different times. And man, that is, uh, whew, those are some great stuff. Gone to the NFA, uh, you know, a couple different times. Like, so man, like just tons and tons of, just fantastic, fantastic opportunities by not going to FDIC. But man, FDIC is the pinnacle. Going to Firehouse Expo, but FDIC is the pinnacle 
It really is, and it fires me up. And if you truly love the job, you truly love everything, and you love it unconditionally, and love everything that's about it, I think FDIC's got to be on your, got to be on your ticket. And just remember, there's other options out there. If you truly love the fire service, the fire service, the job of being a firefighter, and my brother always says it best: being a fireman is the best job in the world. But sometimes working for the fire department is what sucks. And hey, man, we work for government, and he's right, and we work for government agencies, and sometimes they suck, okay? Sometimes they do things we don't want to do, but we don't do it for them. We don't do it for them. I don't, I don't, I don't do it, uh, I don't do what I do for the, the politicians and the, and the lawmakers and everything like that. I do it because I love it, and I do it because there's someone out there who I've never even met yet that's going to need my help someday. It's just a fact. There's someone out there who needs your help. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. But there's someone out there who needs your help. There's someone out there who needs us. And yeah, it sucks. I want better pay for everyone. I want everyone to have awesome shift schedules. I want everyone to be just... You know, to have the perfect idealistic fire department, but the fact is, it's never going to be that way. I want all the best candidates to get promoted. I want all the best firefighters to to be in the spots that they love. But that's not it. So if you're at a station you hate, try to make the best of it. If you work for an officer who sucks, try to make the best of it. If you work for a department that sucks, either try to make the best, try to make it better, or get out and go find the place that's better for you. People do it all the time. Don't be afraid. Have the balls to go to a place that you can make an impact at and that's better suited for you. Or have the balls to stay and stick it out and make it better. Because if you truly love it, if you truly love it, that's going to be what it takes. Kurt Isaacson said that we're the lucky ones. We're the lucky ones because we love the job and we'll always have the love of our have the love of the job to fall back on. And he's right. We'll always have the love of the job, no matter what they do to us. And I've had some things done to me. I still love the fire service and I still love what I do. And I wouldn't want to do anything else. And I've always added, those that don't love it are miserable, they retire miserable, and they die miserable. Because they never had the love of the job in the first place. So that being said, let's take a quick pause and we'll get into FDIC 2023. Hey everybody, welcome back. Hope you didn't. Uh, hope you're still here after my rant for love for the job. Uh, I think it was just important for me to get off my chest and get my thoughts out there on what I feel it truly means to love the job. I didn't get into into the job too much, uh, but uh, or you know some of the other buzzwords that you hear, but. Uh, I really truly think that uh, it was important for me to get that, get that off my chest and and get that out there, especially after coming back from from FDIC uh, 2023. So let's get into FDIC 2023. What an amazing conference! As you kind of heard in the and when I was talking about love for the job, really really came back super duper energized from that, more engaged than than I think I've ever been. Uh, like just, you know, was in a down, was in a down, like, you know, heading down, right? Like I wouldn't even say I was in a, in a lull, was just kind of heading down, right? Like, you know, you get stagnant sometimes and you're looking for that next thing, right? And I kind of felt like that's where I was. And there's a lot of uncertainty right now in my department because we've had just so many, we've had so many retirements and some turnover in leadership and people are kind of like in neutral, 
Because we don't really know what to do because we're waiting for promotions and we're waiting for, you know, like we're waiting for everything to happen, right? Because like you don't want to start something that you're not going to be doing in in six months, right? Like if you're going to get moved or you're going to get promoted, you know, you don't want to be doing something. That's that you're uh, that, that you're that you're not going to be doing in six months. You don't want to put in, you don't want to put a lot of effort into it. So people are kind of like just in neutral right now, waiting to see who gets promoted, where, what roles they're going to be filling, and 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 sometimes and that kind of sucks sometimes, right? Like you're just kind of sitting there waiting. So uh, with that being said, though, man, FDIC 2023, it's fantastic. Uh, I was able to arrive on Tuesday afternoon. And I uh, didn't get to do any hands-on training, and uh, I'll get into some stuff with hands-on training maybe at a later date. But 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 for like, I think the hands-on training at FDIC is great. Okay, I think the F- I think the the hands-on training is great. However, I do think that's one of the places, or that's one of the things that maybe FDIC needs to improve on. And when I say that, not the quality of the classes, but the fact that man, you can do these classes most anywhere these days right? Like there are little conferences that are a little more cost effective, that are a little more cost effective. And like a lot of the guys that are doing the hands-on training, I've, I've already done it. I've already done that class somewhere else. And maybe, maybe some other people haven't, but for me, I don't feel as necessary to do the hands-on training because like I did that. I went to ATROC and flowed uh, so much water, like you can't even imagine, I flowed water out of all the different nozzles and hose packages and attack packages and stretched all the different lines and and everything like that. I've taken nozzle forward, right? I've taken that. I've taken these, and maybe other people haven't, but for me, the cost effectiveness, I can go to several county fire tactics or to Andy Frederick's training days or to, you know, name small the conference that I helped put on we have 10 speakers that all taught at FDIC and you can come here all 10 of them for $175 versus and you guys know how expensive FDIC is right like we don't do hands-on training but there's another one coming right behind us uh called perfecting the craft put on by the 350 line which is another local training group here and it's not as expensive as FDIC and it's pretty much all hands-on it's a couple lectures but it's pretty much all hands-on and it's a lot of the same people that are teaching at FDIC so so I think that's something that they maybe need to look at right uh, I haven't taken the hands-on there in several years because it's just not as cost effective it's two extra nights in a hotel room it's uh your ship you're taking your gear with you um like i mean and the way airlines are these days if you can't drive it man you're you know uh that's why i elected to go to to drive to atrock this past year because just checking that that gear bag is just so expensive it was just so expensive and so we drove the 15 hours that it takes us to get there and it actually saved us money that sounds crazy right but it really did but i think that's one of the things that uh that fdic might need to look at and just maybe uh maybe offer some stuff maybe later in the week you know for people who can't get the, I, don't, I don't know maybe some maybe even some like what what Kurt Isaacson does with CFT some warm classes where you don't need to bring all your PPE and turnout gear, right? Like you can get away with like a helmet and gloves for forcible entry, or you can get away with, you know, just, or, or through the lock or, or, you know, some stuff like that, right? Like just, you know, just, just maybe think outside the box a little bit, but, uh, but I got there around Tuesday evening, Wednesday, boom, kicked right off with Chief David Rhodes and, you know, I think everybody was was concerned, maybe for lack of a better term, uh, how it was going to go because they've been seeing Bobby Halton grace that stage. And, you know, for whatever you thought of Bobby Halton, because I know Bobby Halton had enemies. I've met Bobby a couple times. I like Bobby Halton. Uh, I always loved and looked forward to his speeches at FDIC. But there's a lot of people that didn't like him. There's a lot of people that hated him. And I, But I think people were concerned because he's such a powerful speaker. And I've met Chief David Rhodes a couple times as well, and I never thought that he ha- that he was going to be able to be as powerful a speaker as Chief Halton and man, way wrong, way wrong. He killed it, but he killed it his way. And I think that's the most important thing. He killed it as Chief David Rhodes, not trying to step in for Bobby Halton, not trying to step in for anybody else. He did it his way. 
and I thought that that was fantastic. Uh, and then you had Dan Sheridan from FDNY, which I thought his keynote was okay. It wasn't it wasn't as moving as Chief Rhodes' speech, and because it went a little bit different, it talked a little more about faith. Um, and then the classes, man, like the classes were fantastic. I had the opportunity to listen to Bobby Eckert, had the opportunity to listen to Michael Dragonetti, had the opportunity to listen to Andy Sacadato, had the opportunity to listen to Clark Lamping, uh, just so many, so many great, great classes. And I don't want to sit here and read you all the notes from them and everything like that. But I'll just give you some some highlights. Uh, Bobby Eckert's class, just Fireground Considerations, that's, that is a fantastic class for just any level of firefighter. Uh, if you need just a, a guy who's passionate about the fire service to talk to you about fighting fire, right? Like that's, that's him. Right, he doesn't uh, he doesn't sugarcoat who he is. He doesn't sugarcoat what the class is about. He he even comes straight up and tells you that you're not going to learn anything earth shattering in here today. And a lot of it was good. Re- it was review, but it was good review. It wasn't anything. Uh, it wasn't anything earth shattering to me. It wasn't anything that I had never heard before or, or written about or read about or anything. It was uh, it was definitely it was definitely a worthwhile class to attend and I'm glad I I got to attend it probably the two classes I got the most out of were Michael Dragonetti's class on incident uh, incident management for elevator rescues or initial incident management for elevator rescues and Andy Sacadato's class on advanced drafting operations Uh, the elevator class man I thought I had a pretty good understanding of elevators, and and, and for the most of the basics of elevators, I have uh, I've got it down pretty decent. But man, some of the advanced stuff that he's talking about, some of the codes and standards, and some of the new safety things that are coming with elevators, and just all this stuff uh, that's out there, man. Like, and I just I was I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. I was blown away. I I, I, I take notes and I take notes on my iPad, so I type them because I, I I'm a whor- I have horrible handwriting. And if I took notes by hand every time, then I would never you'd never be able to read it. You'd never be able to read it. It would be awful. So I took notes uh, on the and that's the class I took the most notes about. That's the class I took the most notes about, and I just was constantly writing and writing and writing and writing, and he was kind enough to share, uh, if you emailed him, he was kind enough to share his PowerPoint and just more information with you, and so got all that information, which is fantastic, and I'm going to delve into that even deeper, but man, there's so much, uh, and I, I want to go back and take his hands-on class now, because there's so much you know, that I need to learn more about elevators and how to operate in elevators and how to do more, you know, and how to do it safely. That's probably the biggest, the biggest thing for me. Um, and then Andy Sacadato's uh, advanced drafting class. I have taken his advanced like pump operator course before with the lecture. Um, he actually came and spoke at the Fireground Commander Conference that I help run. But uh, man, that advanced drafting operations class. If you have to draft ever in your life, if you're a DPO, if you work in a rural environment, you need to be going and talking to this guy. You need to be going and looking up Andy Sacadato. He works for the state of Tennessee, uh, and he, he used to work in Virginia and Charlottesville. The guy is a whiz when it comes to drafting, when it comes to pumping, when it comes to just being an operator of apparatus. Uh, he showed some tricks and some stuff that, like, I know that we need to practice in my home department, especially the battalion I currently work in. It has a large rural area. We have stations with tankers, and I can already say we're not maximizing our tanker operations. We're not maximizing. Uh, we're not maximizing how we get water from a fill site. We're not maximizing. Like, we're not using these little tips and tricks on how to like maximize our draft. And we, we even like supply other tanks. Uh, like, you know, move water from tank to tank. We, we just, we're like, we're not doing that right. You know, we're not doing that right. So we need to, we need to step up our game and uh, we need to step up our game and we need to do better. And uh, man, we can move a lot more water than we're moving and we can, we can do better. And so that advanced operating, uh, advanced drafting class, whew, that was just eye opener. I think that was the the class took the second most notes uh, in. And, uh, and I know, and it's one of those classes I was telling one of my buddies who went with me, 
um, who's been on the podcast before, Daniel Myers, is uh, like, I got to come sit through that class again to make sure I didn't miss anything. And I'm going to pull up my same notes that I took and I'm going to like follow along with the notes to make sure I didn't miss any 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 nuggets or tidbits or, or anything that he was talking about because he took a four-hour program and put it into about 90 minutes and he speaks very fast and it was, but it's all great stuff. If you have the time to bring him to your department and go over drafting operations. He's been on the podcast before. If you go back and search through the old episodes and he talks about just hydrants. And in the episode that he does with me, he talks about just hydrants and everything like that. I need to get in contact with him again so he can talk about drafting. Uh, because that's just a fantastic, he's just so freaking good at it, man. It's, uh, it blows my mind every time I hear the guy talk. He's on Facebook, uh, The Water Thieves, and they do classes all over the country. So I highly recommend getting Andy Sacadato to come in and, and do your, uh, and, and just go over all your DPO and your aerial operators and just, and, and just teach your operators how they can truly maximize every, and get everything out of their apparatus. Um, and then the, uh, then, uh, what class was I going to, oh, uh, other Clark Lamping with, uh, uh, Las Vegas, uh, just fantastic high rise class. Um, some, some, re- some re- repeat stuff, uh, from HROC, but just fantastic stuff. Uh, you know, some new things about high rises, like how they're, how they're evolving and, and just, I mean, he sees it, right? Like Las Vegas, more hotel rooms than Manhattan in Las Vegas and they're all high rises and they're all just challenging, challenging buildings. And especially talking about what Las Vegas does, uh, excuse me, he's from Clark County, Nevada, talking about what Clark County does, uh, versus, you know, the rest of the country and how they get, and how they get all these critical roles filled and what they do and, and all that stuff. Uh, just fantastic, fantastic, uh, class. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend that because uh, I know he's one of the HROC teachers. Um, HROC is no more, but it's a track now on one of the fire conferences, and I highly recommend that you go take his track at the at the HROC or the HROC track suburban high rise track um, at whatever conference he's teaching at because it is uh, it's fantastic. And I learned a lot at HROC from him uh, in you know doing the hands on stuff, and then I learned more from the classroom portion of it. So. Just a fantastic, fantastic class. Um, I would say there's always a class that you don't like. There's always a class that you that you just don't get a lot out of. And and unfortunately, it was the very last class I took. Or maybe that's fortunate. It was the very last class I took, and that was uh, the fighting fire and sprinkler buildings. It wasn't that it was a super bad class. I just I failed to read the bio of the instructor. And it was a person from FM Global, and I had already taken the FM Global online firefighting and sprinkler buildings class, and it was basically a repeat of that. It was the same videos, the same pictures, like everything like that. So that was kind of a, a downer to end the conference when I'd already kind of taken that class. And and it was just a super basic uh, I was hoping to get a little more about some more fire pumps. I've been really like trying to learn as much as I can about fire pumps because I've talked about this, and I uh, and I, I talked about this on the Atrock episode when I reviewed that. I feel like we wo- we we have a large misunderstanding of what fire pumps are really doing and how we're really interacting with fire pumps and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, just, uh, just, I really feel like I, I want to learn more about that. And I was hoping there was going to be some more about fire pumps in there and there really wasn't. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing, but, uh, that moves to, uh, the app, the exhibit hall floor and the exhibit hall floor, good as usual, could be better, could be better. Uh, this year they, they did not have any, like they had very little apparatus at Lucas Oil Stadium and it was the firehouse of the future, which I was looking a little more forward to. Uh, and when you got there, it was more like pictures, like, you know, they had it set up like a firehouse, but there was really a very little to interact with. And so I was a little disappointed in that. I was a little disappointed. And, you know, if you're going to show me the firehouse of the future, Show me more than pictures. Show me more than like cardboard. Like like they're talking about like these beds that are going to be set up with biometrics to read your temperature and detect carcinogens. Well, show me what that looks like. I mean, you don't have to have the 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 hundred percent deal ready to go, but like show me what that looks like. Don't show me pictures of bunk beds, right? Like don't show me pictures of a kitchen table, right? I just I was I was very disappointed in that. I was kind of looking forward to that, and I was I was very disappointed in. Uh, in, in what that and what that looked like and what that was and they're like talking about the firehouse of the future it's still the same still the same gear grid system that we have in the firehouse I work in today so how is that the future 
right? Like I don't, I don't understand. It just wasn't, you know, because they had electric fire truck in there. Is that why it's the firehouse of the future? I don't, I don't know. It just didn't, I wasn't impressed. I didn't really like that. And Lucas Oil as a whole was kind of disappointing. There was a couple decent vendors there, but uh, for the most part, Lucas Oil Stadium as a whole was disappointing. I used to love being able to walk onto the second floor of Lucas Oil Stadium and uh, and see just fire trucks and ladder trucks and like you know like just it just the 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 optics of it was horrible. Walked around some of the stuff and just it just wasn't great. But the rest of it, the actual convention center exhibits were fantastic as usual. Uh, I feel like the vendors were really jazzed this year. I feel like the vendors were really like wanted to talk about stuff and and especially like the fire truck vendors. Like they weren't just you know some of them trying to sell you crap, but a lot of them really are are excited about their product and they want to talk about their product and they want you to see their product and 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 touch and feel and and do all the things and ask all the questions like like they're enthusiastic about that uh, especially the big manufacturers right like they want you to be invested in a good product and they want you to 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 talk about it like you know hose manufacturers especially like the hose manufacturers like they're kind of luring you in with some of the stuff with the free with the free stuff but for the but man they really want you to to learn about their product and to be involved and and to talk about it and to test it out and and all of those things so i really really enjoyed the exhibit hall uh it took a long time to walk around it i'll, I'll be quite honest with you um i i really like that and i really wish they would open the exhibit hall more hours uh, because most people leave on Saturday, right? Most people aren't sticking around all day Saturday. And even on Saturday, it's only like 9 to 1. So it's no time. Uh, that's barely enough time to walk around. Uh, some of my favorite booths in the exhibit hall, actually, uh, the uh, Firefighter Tools of Babylon. They do the uh, they do the uh, swipe tool and the pick and all that kind of stuff. I ended up buying their, their master kit that basically has every tools they make. Uh, eager to try out the Gap Goat. Uh, it's the little thing that on the uh, snapping carabiner that they have, and uh, to, you know to try to get a little bit of a wedge so you can use some of these respectful entry tools. I'm very interested to try that. Uh, you know, got that. You know, the swipe tool. Got another swipe tool. Pick all that kind of stuff. Very interested to try these out around in some training and just some on some scenes and see how well they work. I've already been using them on the doors in my house, uh, and uh, to the chagrin of my wife, but the kids think it's pretty cool that the door can still be locked and I can get in. Uh, so that's pretty neat. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, like really, really, really enjoyed that booth. Enjoyed talking to those guys. They're very passionate about their product. And, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's pretty neat to just talk to people who are just passionate, right? Who are into the job, who love the job. And they really like, they're coming to these conferences and, and yeah, they're selling you some stuff, but they care about the stuff they're selling. Like if it's crap, they, they won't sell it, you know, for the most part. So I really, really enjoyed that. Um, special events. Uh, special events, special things. Got to go to a new event this year. Went to the standard uh, Fool's Bash. Always go to the Fool's Bash. Usually have a great time. I love that it was back out on the street under the tent, that it wasn't in the uh, the inside venue that they've had. I love it just being out there on the street. Uh, it used to be, if you're familiar with Indianapolis, there used to be two bars, the Clatta and Ike and Jonesy's. They've both since closed. There's a new bar in the Clatta, uh, but Ike and Jonesy's is no more. But it was right on the street, right out in front of those. I love that spot. Um, it's just I, I like just being out there. You know, the beer, the music, everything. The Brotherhood Bash is just fantastic. Ran into my good friend Chief Dennis Rubin. Sat there and talked to him for a little bit. And then this, for the very first time, went to the MSA uh, uh, block party. And thought, you know, had never gone before. It's been going on for a while now. Had never gone before. Walked in. Complimentary food, complimentary beer, and just a fantastic atmosphere. The pipes and drums walked through there. They had music playing. Uh, the food was delicious. The beers were good. It was all local breweries from Sun King Brewery, which is right out of Indy. Uh, just, man, just fantastic, fantastic experience. Really enjoyed it. Had a great time. Got to catch up with my friend Rob Belmore, uh, who I haven't seen in forever. Uh, Rob is a guy who I volunteered with he, uh, here in Virginia, and he was originally from Minnesota and wanted to move back to Minnesota. He was a career firefighter uh, in James City County, Virginia, and kind of gave all that up, moved back home, uh, and became a firefighter in his, in his hometowns of, uh, of Minnesota. Now works actually for uh, one of the, uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul uh, airport. 
So as a firefighter, so just fantastic to get to see him and catch up and basically spend kind of all evening with him, uh, which is something like we I haven't seen the guy in see you know conversed with him, but haven't seen the guy in person in probably like seven eight years. So it was fantastic to to get to meet up with him and and just that's probably part of the thing that energized me is just kind of bringing up some of those old stories of our volunteering and and things like that. I was very uh, very happy to do all that um, and just a fantastic. Also, uh, be remiss without bringing up Vanguard Safety. We're going to talk about them a little bit more, but what a fantastic booth they have. They always take such good care of me. They always take such good care of me. Uh, their booth location was right by the fire store, so it was packed. They had so much people, but uh, Ryan Ryan Pennington especially always takes such good care of me. Uh, I got a Vanguard Safety Wear hoodie uh, that I'm going to be proud to wrap around the area. Uh, I'm going to be proud to just, you know, got, got some more gloves from them. Uh, you know, they're, they're some big stuff. Don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but they've got some big stuff coming from Vanguard Safety Wear. Just fantastic, fantastic products from Vanguard Safety Wear and just, you know, and and I, I am so proud that they allow me to rep a brand that I like, right? Like, I love everything that they're doing. All their gloves are fantastic. They're the best gloves I've ever worn. Um, and so we'll talk about that a little bit later as we get into the sponsorship side of things. Uh, also, would be remiss without uh, just the Fire Engineering Bookstore, fantastic. And uh, my wife, Karen, who was is an instructor at the conference and a, and a fire engineering author got to get out there and sign uh got to sell her book and do a book signing and all that kind of stuff so fantastic like that's always very surreal to both of us um you know that she has been able to write a book and people actually want to talk to her and buy the book and get her signature like that's something very surreal to her i'm not a big signature person i don't think that we should be elevated like i respect all of these people and this is probably a take that's going to get me some heat. I respect them all. Love reading their stuff. I buy their stuff. But I don't need their signature because they're not celebrities. They're firemen. Uh, so, I mean, you know, no judgment. If you like getting people's signatures on books, fantastic. Uh, my wife appreciates it when anybody comes up and, and wants her signature on her book. But she would also tell you that she's not a celebrity and she doesn't expect anyone to want her signature. She would appreciate it if you buy it, read it, learn it, and use it. But uh, she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't necessarily like need to sign it for her to feel validated. Writing the book was was validation enough, and the fact that someone spends money on it uh, is validation enough for her. But uh, but yeah, like I said, I'm not a big signature on books guy, especially from firemen, right? Like they're just they're firemen, right? I respect them. They, a lot of them have gone to more fires than me. They've they've seen more than me. They're better than me. They're smarter than me. All that kind of stuff. I don't I don't need their signature. I don't need their signature on on the book, and I don't need to to I don't need to collect. Uh, signatures of, of of firemen. I don't think that you know any of them are famous, and I think that's part of the problem in today's fire services. We're putting these guys up on a pedestal, and we 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 risk. We're afraid to challenge some of their ideas, and even though their ideas are fantastic, there's there's the next one coming up, right? There's the next guy, next gal that are coming up. So, uh, but that that kind of ended FDIC 2023. Just a fantastic, fantastic conference. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to go back in 2024. Uh, my friend that I went with, Daniel Myers, my brother, my wife, I think we were all basically like uh, 2024. I think we're in, so uh, you'll probably see me back there. Uh, but within a couple weeks, within uh, within two weeks, uh, we have the Fire Ground Commander Conference, so uh, right back. Actually, not even two weeks now, like more like uh, – since we're on, we're May second, I believe, is when we're doing this podcast. May the second, we're in like seven, eight days uh, when we're doing this. So six days, seven days, and uh, yeah. So uh, we're ready to rock and roll. Keep going on the conference train, and we're gonna have a lot of the speakers that were at FDIC here in Virginia, in Henrico County. Uh, you still have time to register. May eighth, ninth, and tenth of 2023 you still have time to register especially you know you might not have time to travel uh but if you're anywhere within driving distance you still have time to register 175 dollars for 10 speakers uh lunch provided every day two socials and if you haven't been paying attention man those socials are going to be fantastic we've got one at pizza beer hanover which is located on 301 and they have fantastic pizza fantastic beer a great venue a perfect place to wind down after a long day of learning at the conference then on tuesday a venue that's so close you can literally walk to it 
uh, is our uh, local 1568 Henrico Firefighters Union Hall, literally right down the street from the theater. After a long day of learning, we're going to have a, a food truck, uh, Fire Chef Barbecue, which is fantastic stuff, and they're going to be beer and food and just fellowship in an old one of our department's old historic firehouses and um you know hopefully like i said most of us will be there uh i think i'm one of the only ones that is on staff that actually worked at that firehouse uh and so if you're interested i'll give you a tour of what the firehouse used to be and give you some of the history of it but that's going to be fantastic fireground commander conference may 8th 9th and 10th embrace the resistance.com click on the conference tab and you'll be able to join us for the fireground commander conference even if you can't join us for the conference come out to the socials uh the the monday socials open to anybody in the area and the tuesday socials open to any iaff member uh any doesn't matter the local doesn't matter if you're a conference attendee if you're a conference attendee you're into the second social but if you're not a conference attendee but you're a member of the iaff come on up and join us and we want you to be we want you to be at our local union hall um, with that being said, I couldn't do what I do without the help of some great companies and great people. The first is be, is Vanguard Safety Wear. Uh, again, I already talked about it, Vanguard Safety Wear. They're makers of the MK1 and MK1 Ultra Fire Gloves plus the Squad 1. I'm telling you, big things are coming. I got to see a, a sneak peek of a prototype uh, that they're trying to work in, and they're trying to get NFPA approved and all that stuff. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's going to be revolutionary. It's going to be one of the better things in fire gloves, in my opinion. Uh, so stay on the lookout for that. But like I said, I got my Vanguard Safety Wear hoodie. Uh, just fantastic, fantastic people at Vanguard Safety Wear. Let them know that if you're buying something, send them an email, send them a message, drop them a line on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, that you heard about. Vanguard Safety Wear from the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Let them know that this podcast has reach and let them know that all the stuff that they're doing for me, I'm paying them back tenfold because that's how our relationship works. And I really love those guys and I want them to know that I'm out here working hard for them as well. Uh, they, again, like I said, I wear them every day. I've got the MK1s, the MK1 Ultras. Uh, I've got the hoodie now. It's fantastic. It's nice and comfortable. Um, so I'm going to be repping that brand everywhere that I go. I wear the MK1s and MK1 Ultras all the time on the fire ground. I've got one of them is my backup set, and one of them, like when I go to a fire, I just wore the MK1 Ultras at a fire, so I put them, I washed them, pulled out the old MK1s, boom, put them back in service, and now when I just rotate them through fire after fire. So uh, I'm wearing them on my hands all the time, and I wouldn't tell you that they were good if they weren't because they're fantastic. So go to VanguardSafetyWear.com or DingusFire.com and get you a pair of Vanguard Safety Wear gloves. Vanguard Safety Wear, made for work. The next Taylor's Tins. Taylor's Tins makes, well, they make a little bit of everything. Uh, if you were at FDIC, they were handing out keychains that said, I eat my boogers. Uh, they make helmet uh, shields. They make keychains. They make locker tags. They make inserts. They make four gas monitor tags, pump cards, everything. If you can imagine it, Taylor can do it. So go to taylorstens.com, that's taylorstens.com, and get stop burning up leather and start wearing Taylor's Tens. Lastly, tacticalworksheet.com, IDLH Technology, makers of, in my opinion, the best command board and command products on the market today. I use them the the ideal h worksheet rides with me every time i ride up on the battalion car uh, i have the mini that fits in my pocket that if i get assigned to side c just used it on a brush fire the other week when i was assigned to a flank on a brush fire had my had my uh, mini command board out and i was keeping track of the units that were assigned to me i love their products i love everything that they that they're doing over there at tacticalworksheet.com they're fantastic so go to tacticalworksheet.com that's tacticalworksheet.com idlhtechnology.com and get you the idlh worksheet the idlh mini the active shooter all the things and all the great products that they have lastly you know how we do make sure you're spending one hour a day in the library, reading something, watching YouTube videos, doing something to educate yourself about the job that we chose to do. Make sure you're spending one hour in the gym, getting in shape for the job that you swore you would do. And make sure you're spending one hour doing some sort of hands-on training, putting your hands on the tools and equipment that we need to do our job that you swore to do. You do that. 
you'll become a pretty phenomenal firefighter. I guarantee it. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Stay aggressive. I'm out.